riches. God wrote his love with the same hands that suffered and Amen. Written in red. Aren't you glad? Uh, boy, I tell you what, that precious blood of Jesus. Amen. It's good stuff. Amen. Well, we've been dealing with secrets of a su- of successful living, dealing with being concerned for others, and uh, we're going to go ahead and continue in that vein tonight. Uh, over in Matthew chapter fourteen, verses thirty-five and thirty-six. That's what we're going to look at, and then we'll go from there. But uh, last week we started dealing with that passage and. Uh, well, we had been dealing with it for quite some time, but we noted and asked the question last week, when is it that we really begin to get concerned about the souls of others? And uh, verse, uh, well, 35 and 36, let's go ahead and read those and we'll go from there. Matthew 14, verse 35, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased, and brought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Boy, that's wonderful. In verse 35, though, we ask the question again, what is it that we really begin, when is it that we really begin to get concerned about the souls of others? And the conclusion we came to last week was found in verse 35, when the Bible simply says, when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Well, that's when you're going to get concerned about the souls of others, when you get some knowledge of him. And so we took the time last week 
to kind of make the correlation and consider this idea of knowing and going. And we said that they go together all the time. And we said that the measure in which we know him determines the measure in which we go. And so, again, how well we know the Savior and how close we get to him will ultimately motivate us and move us, once as the closer we get to him, to having a heart and a desire and a love for others. Knowing and going, they go together. And that's what we spent a lot of our time on last week as we made the connection between the two. And we said, listen, it's one thing to talk about being spiritual. It's, it's, it's one thing to believe ourselves to be spiritual. But honestly, if we are in the right relationship with the Lord as we ought to be, it will affect how we view others and how we live our lives and what our priorities are. Knowing and going. Boy, they go together. And again, as we said, uh, boy, as we get closer to him, as we know him better, our heart will be toward going for others. So we, we spent some time on that last week. We noted some things about the Apostle Paul and some others. But we want to conclude this particular lesson in this series with this question tonight. When does this concern show itself? When does this concern show itself? And again, in the passage, we, we already noted when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Well, once they had knowledge of him, they responded in three ways. And we want to note those three ways tonight. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll note how they responded once they had knowledge of him. Father, we thank you now for this time together. Speak to our hearts and encourage us in your word. We love you. We thank you for all that you mean to us and all that you have done for us. We'll give you the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First of all, you're going to note in chapter 14, verse 35, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about. Notice they sent out into all the country round about. They sought. They sought. That's what they did. That was what they did. Once they, they had knowledge of him, they sought. They went out into all the surrounding countries. They went in search of those who were in need of healing and in need of a touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. They scoured the district. They, they went throughout all their community. They sought the people out that had great need who would benefit from getting to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, the Lord's commissioned us to do the same thing, hasn't he? I mean, the bottom line is, is that God's called us to go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. The Bible tells us that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the fact is tonight is that you and I ought to be seeking out people too. We ought to be doing like they did. They, they sought. We ought to be seeking too. Mark chapter 16, 15, again, we touched on it. It says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a command by the, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not an option. It's a command. And again, I understand that that day when before Christ uh, ascended up to be with the Father, we, we could say, well, he was talking to his disciples and they were certainly on the payroll. I'm not convinced they were on any payroll. If you remember correctly, the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He found himself working just so that he could continue to spread the gospel. 
Now, he would ultimately preach that the man of God is worthy of his hire. I get that. But the fact is, is that the commission was not given to preachers. The commission was given to Christians. And those Christians represented what would be the church of God or was the church. And the fact is, is that every church, you and I, we are all comprised of a, we are a body. And that body has pieces and parts. But the church itself is commissioned to reach the world. And if you are part of it, then you are also commissioned. Every believer is responsible to reach the world. It was C.T. Studd who gave the following advice to the missionaries in Central Africa. He said, get the simple gospel out into the whole of your vast district and see that every soul knows the way of salvation and has a fair chance of being saved. A fair chance of being saved. I like that, don't you? I mean, wouldn't it be sad to think that there are people in Akron, there are people in Springfield or, or Lakemore or possibly in Magador or Talmadge or maybe out somewhere further past uh, Akron a little bit, and they never, ever, ever heard the gospel. No one ever knocked on their door. Nobody ever passed out a track. They never had a fair chance to get the gospel. Wouldn't that be sad? We sit around here in this new building and we say, wow, well, look what God has brought and see how good God's been to us. And all along, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves comfortably seated in this place and allowing the world to go to hell. Dr. Lee Robertson met with, uh, with Tom Sexton. At the time, Tom Sexton was a young man and Dr. Lee Robertson, of course, was the pastor of the, the famous church there in Tennessee and and uh, 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 he, he, he met with him, and he, and he had gotten a, a check one day. He just kind of went by the office, and one of the secretaries said, Oh, by the way, uh, uh, brother, brother Tom, uh, there's an envelope for you. And uh, Brother Tom's like, What do you mean an envelope for me? He's like, Well, there's an envelope. He got the envelope, and as he opened the envelope, there was a check in it. He said, What's that check? What's the check for? He said, Well, obviously, uh, Dr. Robertson, wants you, is, is basically giving you a check. He, he just hired you. See, what we, what the, the back story is this. Brother Tom was a, a student there at the school. Brother Tom had an adult Bible class, and Brother Tom built it to over 100. And so Dr. Tom, uh, Robertson thought, pretty good investment. We got a builder here. Let's go ahead and hire him. I might be tempted to do the same thing, to be frank with you. I'm going to tell you something. He got a check that day, and so what happened? He's like, well, what do I do? She said, I don't know. One day, he's walking along, and, and Dr. Robertson, they claim, as he's often done and as he often did, he walked right up to him and took his arm. He put his arm underneath his and took it, and he walked with him. He said, come on, Brother Tom. And he started telling him his job description. And here was basically what he said to him. He simply said, Brother Tom, make sure every Sunday school teacher is giving the gospel. If people are not being saved, it's for one of two reasons. Either one, God is dead. Or two, the gospel's not being given. So make sure that everybody's getting the gospel. I'm going to tell you something. He went on to tell stories about what God did in that ministry and how he was blessed by that ministry and how Dr. Robertson was a blessing to him, but how God met the need in their lives and they saw 
hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Turn there, would you please? Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. These men in this day had sought. I mean, they had, they had the opportunity to, to know the Lord in that sense. They had met with the master, so to speak. They had knowledge of him, and now here they are seeking out others. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, they're not going to call on him if they don't believe, right? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? If they don't hear, they can't believe. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now let me say this. Obviously, we look at that passage and we want to go directly to missionaries, and I have no problem with that at all. But may I say that every one of us can be preachers, proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I am not a foot person. I can't stand looking at people's feet in car windows. Driving around with their feet up in the window or in the dash. I just want to just like, I don't know, I just, I want to become an axe murderer. Cut them off. And then people like to run around in those, like, you know, those, I've, I got to be careful what I call them because I've made mistakes in the past. But anyway, the, whatever those things are called, flip-flops, that's what they are, flip-flops. Ooh, I almost call them something else. Man, and there's hairy toes, especially guys, hairy toes sticking out, all bony and everything. I mean, doesn't that just gross you out? And yet the Bible tells us no matter how gross their feet are, the fact is that they're going out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says they're beautiful. I'm going to believe it by faith. Amen. Charles Peace. He's a notorious criminal in England. He was executed on February the 25th, 1879. Just before his execution... Uh, an Anglican minister half-heartedly read, read to him from the, the consolations of religion. He said, quote, Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. Hmm. Let me read that again. That's actually pretty good, isn't it? He said, he read this consolations of religion and a portion of it. Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release which death itself can bring. Charles stopped the minister and said, Sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it, if need be, on hands and knees and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. that was from a notorious criminal. 
does the world think when we go around telling them how important it is that they trust Christ or how important it is to be a Christian or how important it is to, to get saved, but yet we spend so little time and with so little effort and so little tears trying to reach them. As D.L. Moody walked down a Chicago street one day, he walked up to a man and he asked him if he were a Christian. The fellow raised his fist and angrily claimed, you mind your own business. This is my business, replied Moody. Well then, you must be Moody, the man said. Can you believe that? He didn't tell him his name. He just asked him about his Christianity. He said, this is my business. Your soul is my business. And he went, then you must be Mr. Moody. I wonder what our reputation is. On that street that day, Moody didn't have to give a name. His reputation preceded him, and that man knew it must be Moody because Moody cares about souls, and Moody is diligent, and Moody is a, a fanatic about reaching people with the gospel. I wonder how fanatical we are. And I wonder how much our family, I wonder if maybe people don't listen to us because they don't believe us. On January the 1st, 2010, a law went into effect in Texas that requires Department of Public Safety clerks to ask all driver's license applicants if they wish to become an organ donor. The result of the, of the new law more than doubled the number of registered organ donors. Did, did you hear? Did, the law went into place in 2010 that every one of these safety clerks had to ask all driver's license applicants if they wish to become an organ donor. The result, again, that that new law more than doubled the number of registered organ donors across, across in, that, in that area. Now, think of what would happen if Christians would ask every person they come in contact with if they want to trust Christ as their personal Savior. I mean, if it works for organs and organ doning, maybe it would work for our Christianity. Maybe we all need to get a little bit more bold, a little bit more fanatical, a little bit more plugged in to seeking. We learn here in, that when the men of that place had knowledge of him. The Bible says they sent out into all that country. Well, they went seeking. Not only that, they, they, they sought, but not only that, but they brought. They brought. Uh, again, there in our passage, the Bible says, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they went out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. Well, the word brought is the most important word in this particular lesson. It, it's the most important word. Why? Because it identifies the very key element necessary and needed in order to successfully win others to Jesus Christ. 
See, it's important to go to them. But let's be honest. Rescue work involves more than simply going to those who are lost. I mean, souls have to be brought to Jesus Christ. And that's just a reality. You know, a true fisherman is never really satisfied simply going to where the fish are. I mean, you get your, your rod and your reel and you, you get your tackle box together and you go on out there to that, that lake and maybe you, you're on a little boat or possibly you're on the dock or maybe just on the shore and you, you cast that line into that water. And boy, I'll tell you what, you know there are fish there and you think, man, this is great. Man, you know, I know some people are going to say, well, I like to just fish because I want to get away. That's fine. But the truth is, if you're a real fisherman, you want to catch something. We're not talking about this leisurely thing just to get away from the wife. Oh, I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> Why is if your husband's never come back with fish, maybe they're not <laughs> going out to really fish. Maybe they're just getting away from you. But anyway, uh, either that or they're just really bad at fishing. I mean, it's one of two, okay? It's really, it's one of two, okay? But anyhow. Okay, you can schedule appointments with me after the service, all right, couples? Okay, but anyway. Um, but the true fishermen, I mean to tell you, they want, they want to catch a fish. They don't want to just drop that line in the water. They just don't want to even see a nibble. They want to reel something in. You know what? It's sad, isn't it? it? It would be sad for us to get so used to just going out and just be content just to go. Well, I did my duty. I showed up, I went out, I knocked on a couple doors, and I got through them fast today. Praise the Lord, there wasn't too many home. I mean, let's be honest, we've all been there, haven't we? When we knock on the door and we're almost like, please nobody come, please nobody come, please nobody answer. Have you ever done that? I have. I've done that by door number one. I know you say, you're the preacher. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, but what do we say? The knowledge of him, right? Let's be honest. It's not just the knowledge I had a week ago or three days ago. I have to have some knowledge of him before I go. <laughs> Boy, he gives me boldness then. Then all of a sudden I'm looking for someone. I want to find somebody. I don't want to just, to, to just seek him out. I want to bring him to Christ. Amen? So do you. Boy, that's so important. There's no doubt, and it's true that we're responsible to warn them, not to win them. And, and, and so we do have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to become so discouraged if we don't see the results we want. But we should, we should have a holy dissatisfaction if we're going and no one's ever getting saved. There ought to be a point in us where we are burdened about that. It bothers us, and it, we should go, man, I want to be able to win somebody. Oh, God, show me what I'm not doing right, or show me what I'm not what I am doing wrong, whatever it takes, reveal it to me. If I'm not praying enough, if I'm not begging you enough, if I'm going in my own strength, whatever it is, please, Lord, reveal it to me. Help me. Man, I don't want to just cast the line. I want to bring something in. Boy, they, they sought and they brought. And finally, they besought. Look what it says. Again, in our passage, it, it, over here in verse 
well, let's go to 35 and we'll read right through verse 36. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. You, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I am wrong about this and I'm misunderstanding this. But it says, and they besought him that he might that they might only touch the hem of his garment. The impression is, is that here they, they, they go to the Lord and they plead with him that those who they brought could just touch his garment. But not only that, I see this. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Could it be, and again, I might be reading that all wrong, but is it possible some were brought to the master but did not touch the garment? Can you imagine as many as? I would have thought everyone would have. Isn't it funny? You may bring some people along too and they just won't touch the hem. You may even take them through the whole gospel and read them through the whole scriptures and explain all the scripture and help them to see that their need for Christ is, a, is immediate right now. And they'll turn around and say, well, not now. Really? Not now? Well, when? Can you imagine? You go out into the country and you, you seek out these that are diseased and you bring them to the master and you, you, you get them into his proximity and you, you beg the master, please let him touch the hem of your garment. And they say, well, I, I don't know. Wouldn't that be crazy? I'm saying I might be reading it wrong, might be misunderstanding it. It just says, but as many as. And, and so that could mean everyone, I suppose. And again, maybe not. A true passion for souls will quickly show itself in persistent prayer for their salvation. I mean, they're, they're pleading with the master. They're, they besought him. Dr. Bruce Cummins, the late pastor of the Massillon Baptist Temple, he was a, a teacher of mine. He was also a, um, the chancellor of the school that I attended. I went to Massillon Baptist College for my um, Bible college training. And uh, I still remember him saying, laziness is the besetting sin of the ministry. Uh, we're talking about 25 years ago or so, or 30 years ago he said that. Can you imagine what he'd think today? He said, laziness is the besetting sin of the ministry, but prayerlessness is the greatest sin of the The Apostle Paul was probably the greatest missionary witness the world has ever known. I don't think any of us would argue that. Uh, he experienced victory after victory. Every time he turned around, he was winning somebody or reaching a city and starting a church, it seemed. God used him to spread the gospel like none other in the New Testament. Listen to his, repli his repeated plea for prayer. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. The word runs and 
triumphs by means of prayer. This idea that just because we stand in a pulpit and proclaim the truth, people are supposed to fall on their knees and get saved or lives are supposed to be transformed and changed is not in in any way biblical. Just because you get up in front of a Sunday school class and you go ahead and take the Bible, you say, well, the word will not return void. No, it won't. But may I say, it may not have free courses. It ought to if we're not praying like we should. Because the word itself triumphs by means of prayer. Even the apostle Paul, the great soul winner that he was, the great missionary preacher that he was, said, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with others or with you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, he went on to say, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul's begging them to pray that he would have boldness in proclaiming the word of God There's not a Christian in the room that's too immature to pray. I don't care if you just got saved today. You know how to pray. You just lift your voice to God and say, Oh God, give that man of God boldness to preach. That's what Paul the Apostle was asking every believer to do for him. That's why we have the pastoral prayer cabinet. So that the people of God will say, The preacher needs Your unction, the preacher needs your power, God. The preacher's words will fall on deaf ears if you don't intercede. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Paul said, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Paul was a mere man. And to be faithful in all of his sufferings, he sought the prayers of God's people. He was going through it. He was being persecuted. He was being targeted. He begs them to strive together with him in prayer. That word strive means to make efforts, to use exhortations, to to endeavor with earnestness, to labor hard, striving together with him. And I want you to put some effort into that prayer because I'm putting everything on the line, he says. And boy, there are people that we are watching and dealing with in our lives and we see that they're trying to stand for Jesus Christ and they're doing their best to live for God and they might be finding themselves in a real difficult situation. Maybe temptation is beating them down and possibly others around them, whether it's their family, their friends or loved ones, aren't understanding their new Christianity or their faith in Christ. And we need to pray for them. we got to get in the battle with them. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Boy, Paul says, I need those doors open that the gospel can be spread and that gospel will be spread and the doors will be opened as a result of the prayers of God's people. Does it bother you 
And I'm sure it doesn't bother you as much as it does me. And if it does, praise God it does. Does it bother you that more people don't walk these aisles and get saved? It bothers me. It bothers me sometimes when certain messages are preached and nobody wants to come forward. And I'll preach other messages that seem pretty mild and everybody There's all kinds of things that bother me, but I'm kind of a bothered person. But boy, I'll tell you one thing. If you're like me, you want to see some results, don't you? And who in the world wants to go to work and not see the results of their labor? So who wants to go out and, and knock on a door or pass out a track or do and not see the results of their labor? Nobody wants that, right? Could it be that our prayer lives aren't what they ought to be? We're not bes- we're, they besought the Lord. Maybe we need to do more of that. Maybe even we, we need to spend more time doing that at times. That, you know, If we're going to spend an hour out knocking doors, maybe we ought to spend at least a half hour praying for them. I'm just saying maybe we need to spend a little more time focusing on prayer and getting God in on Paul made it clear that the success he enjoyed in the ministry was a direct result of prayer. See, in prayer, God shows those who he would have us seek to win for him. He'll reveal that. He'll maybe point a person out. He'll, he'll kind of whisper in your ear, that one, that one, or that one. In prayer, I mean, it's prayer. We become channels through which the Holy Spirit can now work. Or he performs his greatest work. It's in and through us. They sought, they brought, and they besought. And it all started because technology. Knowing and going. We know him. We grow closer to him and know him more and more and more. And we'll be more encouraged than ever to go for him. And when we go... May we not be satisfied with just going. May we bring them to Jesus. And may we beg God to do a miracle in their lives, both in salvation and in their daily walk. Wouldn't it be wonderful this coming year if maybe even before the end of the year or into the spring of next year, you'd beg God for a soul? And you'd go out and you'd win that soul. And you would kind of put that soul under your wing. And mentor that soul. Encourage that soul. And bring that soul along to where finally they said, I want to get saved too. Wouldn't it be wonderful for not only you to be teaching a Sunday school lesson, going out soul winning but having somebody that you led to Christ teaching and going to that's what God intends for all of us God wants us to reproduce ourselves in the lives of others that's God's intent not for Mark O'Donnell to be a good family man 
provide well for his family, to have a nice car, nice house. Those are often many wonderful benefits God gives to us, but that's not his purpose for us. What he wants us to do is take all of those benefits he's given us and be able to share them in a way with others that they'll see his goodness in our lives. And then be able to take someone else and say, here's what you can have if you too will give your life to Christ. And then say, now that you've given your life, come on, let me show you how to really maximize Christ in you and enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Let me help you with that. Now, each of us do our best this year to win somebody and to then bring them along. They sought, brought, and besought, and with God's help, may you and I do the same.